Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Back-to-back Premier League wins for the first time since the start of November mean that Manchester City go into the new year in a fairly decent shape. Certainly more decent shape than I feared they'd start 2024, just even a couple of weeks ago. It's a total of 28 games unbeaten at the Etihad for 2023. Three draws in the last month or so have spoiled the record a little, but 25 wins isn't bad overall. For the champions, stand up indeed. This is Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney. With me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello. Morning, all right. Not bad, thanks. You well? Um, very nicely done there. You have to, <laughs> you have to have seen my tweets to know what we're on about. But say yep. the um, yeah, good. In terms of like going into the new year, so I've done I've done the article on this. Um, but my editor for the game yesterday, he was like, "This is his record on New Year's Day in each of the years they've won the league," and it was so seventeen eighteen season, thirteen points clear, obviously. The next season, seven behind. Uh, in 2020, 2021, seven behind. Um, 21, 22, eight ahead. And then last season, five behind. And now two behind. And you think, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Been an odd few weeks, hasn't so, it? Because um, yeah, they, they, like, like, we've, like we've said, or certainly I've said privately, um, they haven't been playing well at all. And they haven't, uh, well, not haven't been playing well at all. They haven't been getting the results at all. Um, and in terms of playing well, it feels like they still need to click, but they, they're kind of not far off it. Um, and there's been uh, there's been ample opportunity for somebody to grab the league by the scruff of the neck, and nobody's done it. And that's kind of to City's advantage at the moment, I guess. Yeah, and we were talking the other day about teams dropping points, but that was before Arsenal lost to um, West Ham as well. Yeah. So yeah, it couldn't have gone better on that front, could it? Yeah. Um, so that's obviously added into added into the mix. It really is Villa's season. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, well, again, so in the article I was like, oh, they, there was this and there was this and they could have done this. Um, but now they're only two points behind Liverpool. And I was like, well, I'll have to put in Arsenal because my uncle probably won't go out until after they play. And then I found out the Villa had scored a late winner. And I was like, oh, and them as well. So, um, yeah, Villa, they're hanging on in there. They had a bit of a dodgy Christmas, but then they got their, they got a win at the end, didn't they? So they'll be happy with that. Um, yeah. But pff, the thing is, it's it's one of those... When you look at those numbers and go, oh, okay, City are used to doing this, it does kind of, as a, from a City persuasion, it kind of makes you relax and go, oh, okay, 
it's all right. And I imagine for the other teams, you'll be like, oh, f- fucking forget it. You know, especially especially because Liverpool and Arsenal have been stumbling anyway. So it would be easy to be like, oh, it doesn't matter what we do. Like, it's not happening. But obviously, it's not all just numbers and statistics and precedents. Like, Guardiola made a very good point. Well, I mean, it's an obvious point. But he was like, "What? whatever's happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. And that is absolutely true. And the other thing that um, that applies to is the winning runs. Because yeah, the second half of the season... Everyone's expecting City to do that. Yeah. And like, like even last season, like everyone's yeah. always going to happen. And then it only happened in like April, but they won 12 games in a row. And like that... They've done 12 games in a row before, but in all the other seasons, they've done more than that, 15, 18, whatever. Um, so it it is interesting. Um, all of these things kind of suggest this is going to this is going to click. This is going to turn around. And like, if it look, if it comes to the end of the season and City have won 15 games in a row again, and they win the league, everyone will be like, oh yeah, that was never too, wasn't it? And like, and maybe it is, but also at the same time. There's there's plenty of stuff that's been happening on the pitch to be think to be thinking like oh, there's no guarantee that it will. You yeah, know? I just think it, I, I, I like you couldn't you you could say oh I knew this was going to happen all all the way and like you, nobody can know that. But also you couldn't really turn around seriously and say no you didn't like because you go yeah well yeah they always do it and you go mm. fair enough they always do. I do think though in the context of the good old inevitable chat that will happen at the end of the season should City go on to to, to win the title uh, the last month and a half needs to be absolutely remembered um, because yeah. the, the entire idea that nobody had a chance up against City has been blown out of the water when they when they won, yeah. when they had a spell of two wins in six games and and nobody got more than five points ahead of them with a game in hand. It's yeah. it's like if you if you if you really wanted to hammer home the uh, the advantage, then you know win your games, win your games in the in the in the room where City are not winning games, and you've got a, you might have a chance yeah. of winning the title. You know, yeah. But look, I mean, we're already kind of talking. We're not we're not taking for granted that they have, but we're no, kind no. of but we're allowing ourselves this conversation that on the basis that it does happen. Whereas obviously, you know, two weeks ago we'd have probably been talking on the basis that oh well, you know, if they don't, then there's this and there's that and blah. But yeah, obviously things have kind of turned around a bit, and it's funny what two wins can do. But again, Guardiola made a good point on Friday when he was very grumpy in the press conference. I couldn't go, um, but then when I, I watched it online, I thought. Oh, fuck. Thank God for that. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> just, just so grumpy with it. Yeah, you had to do was, a press conference like, between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that's why I didn't go. That's why I couldn't go because it was immoral. Um, but he, yeah, he was like, the, he said something like, like the, the Sky reporter said, been a good year for City. He was like, yeah, yeah, good, pretty good. And then I think the Sky reporter said something like, oh, yeah, like it couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been much better. But I think Pep understood it as it could have been better. And he wasn't like really angry, obviously, but he was like, but it just tied into his idea that nothing's ever good enough. And it was like the worst possible way he could have taken it. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, could, could be better, could be better. But then, he, but then he said something like, you know, we lose a game and everyone says we're out of the title race and then we win it. And everyone says we're back in it. He goes, it's not just the same for us, it's the same for everyone. And like, we've talked about this before. It's, this has done my head in for years and years and years. Like everyone's got men in black memory wiped after a win or a defeat. 
and then it goes completely the other way and go, okay, well, surely it's their title to lose now. And then let's say they don't win at Newcastle in two weeks away from home, which I know they're struggling in Newcastle, but it's plausible, especially the way City have been playing. Then it will go back to, oh, what's going on? And to be fair, even we'll be like, okay, well, you know, those problems haven't gone away. But that's why we try and be on an even keel throughout the season. You know, after the Everton game, it was good, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. There was the there was the 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 moments where they didn't control the game, and there was a stupid mistake, like there was in in the Luton game that, that or, or weak defending or both that led to a goal. So they're not out of the woods yet. Um, but th- this also- is this is it, that takes me back to last season again, where um, the entire wider world was talking about how when when City go on one of their runs, then they'll yeah. they'll run off with the league. And as you said, the the run like, well, the run not. the run didn't uh, come to light on. Yeah, and we and I I all I want is I want evidence. I want I want evidence that it's going to happen or that it could happen. And up until it happened last season, there was no evidence that it would happen. And you can you can no. you can have the blind faith as much as you want that City will click and turn everything around. It's ultimately I think that both of us are just evidence led, aren't we? You just want to see something that yeah. suggests that it's going to happen. And. I, that that kind of it does kind of neatly bring us on to Sheffield United because you mentioned the mistakes and you mentioned the um, the errors that uh, that have, have kind of punctuated games recently um, and I think the end result of of all of, of of that happening in the last few weeks is the game against Sheffield United, isn't it? Yeah. Well, can I put it to you that that was the same performance as against Crystal Palace? Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> if if not, then worse than Palace because I, I didn't rank it as kind of I, I didn't I, up against Palace uh, in terms of performance I thought I, I thought what happened on Saturday was pretty much on a par yeah I mean it was pretty similar but obviously there was the element of like even at, even at half time well not even at half time at half time even I was like this is dull like it's, it was a good performance don't get me wrong because at the end of the day I think I'm going along the Guardiola school of thought of I'd rather it be dull um, and safe than a bit more open but risky. So, you know, I'd rather have that than the Fulham game, you yeah, know, when yeah. they were just shocking in the first half. And obviously that Fulham game is quite a, a broad example or an extreme example because they weren't, that's about one of the only bad halves of football they've had, I think. Um, but you know what I mean? So it was, I said at half time, you know, it was it was more than decent because they they'd scored the goal, Sheffield United didn't really have anything in in the way of attacks, um, and City had control of the game. Also, their pressing was good on the on the couple of occasions that Sheffield United tried to play out. They won it back high up, or it would just go back to the keeper. And you always think there's nowhere he can go here. Fodderingham's just going to kick it long, and City are going to win it back. And they did every time. So all of that stuff was fine. But I was like, it is a bit dull though, and like there's just there has been no. Sparkle, you know, there have been times when they could have stepped it up because getting getting side to side passes and being patient, absolutely fine, no problem with that. Because, like I said the other day, it's that trade off. If if you don't play the ball to Harland, at least you're still safe. Yeah, but if you yeah. do try and flick it around the corner and you lose it, you're not safe. So it's that trade off. And you know, City are at their best when they are safe. So so be it. So I was fine with that. But yeah, when there were times to pick it up a bit, it didn't really happen. And like by no means was it. Like that's what I mean. Like so, in, against Palace, they created a lot of chances in the first half, more than they did against Sheffield United, and it wasn't dull. And there was more stuff going on, so there wasn't much stuff going on yesterday. But when there was, it was normally Foden. 
like he, he got the ball on the edge of the box and he did a bit of quick feet, a bit of a wriggle and sl- slid it through for Bernardo Silva. And, you know, it was typical, well, I kind of flicked behind for a corner. Again, there wasn't a lot to go on, but when there was, it was normally Foden. And Rodri was great as well. And we don't normally talk about the actual goals, do we? But that the Rodri goal, the, the little flick, it's the little flick over the challenge. All the challenge coming in and goes, nope, I'm just going to flick that out of the way. It's like, do you ever get to a stage where you're on like a computer game and you've got to do certain things in certain rhythm? And it's difficult. Like it takes me forever, but it's kind of when you've mastered it, you kind of feel like you're gliding. Yeah. And in fact, I was That's... I was trying to learn a song on, on Leo's keyboard over Christmas. It was "Candle in the Wind" by Elton John. If you're wondering, and <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I've got to that level of proficiency where I'm like, but there's a bit in it when it's like it's really satisfying to play, and you just feel like, oh, yeah, I can do this now. I had I, I, just, I had a completely it just different felt like example. Rodri zoomed yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll no, go for it. We'll, that, it feels like Rodri zoomed out and just went, yeah, I'm in control of all of this. And when you actually do that in a Premier League football match, when you haven't like, well, I suppose they do train, don't they? But you haven't actually practiced that specific moment over and over again. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, mine was. Um, have you ever played the game Fall Guys? Yeah, but only for like an afternoon. Yeah, so, so I know the premise. There's, there's one of the, one of the obstacles in that is, is basically a lot of bumpers that swing around in opposite directions. And I was sat playing it, and there's one, there, there was one moment where I just kind of skipped through the, the entire thing without getting knocked around while everybody else was getting thrown over. And uh, my partner was sat yeah. next to me, and he, was, and he just went, um, "That was like the bit in the Matrix where you could just see the code." <laughs> Yeah, there and you it go. was that was that was Rodri running through the Sheffield United defense. He could just like he 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 just saw it all in slow motion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but just that little flick over was great. Again, people were saying it was like Yaya Torre. It reminded me of what he did earlier in the season when he was carrying the ball a lot. I mean, look, there was that period earlier in the season, wasn't there, when he was like, "This guy is the best holding midfielder in the world," and like he is. But it's like it's like City are the best team in the world. And it's like they are. But they've not actually been playing like it, have they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a bit like that with Rodri. Like Rodri is the best holding midfielder in the world, but like on form, he hasn't actually been playing that well. There have been a, a few ropey moments over the last couple of months, but also he has had the ability to to do stuff like that. But but yeah, particularly earlier in the season, like September kind of time, um, against like defenses that sat deep as well. Really, like he's he's almost had more space to. Um, exploit in the midfield mm. and he just seems to have that instinct now to be able to do it I remember the it was Red Star at home wasn't it when their holding midfielders were just following Foden and Alvarez so they'd just peel wide and just literally just open up this massive space and he just went in the midfield the and yeah. Rodri would just go okay I'm just going to get into that um, so yeah and again it's another it's a really good weapon to have because obviously it's not like there's loads of goals in this City team at the moment. Um, and I mean, this is obviously something that people have been saying for a long time, but I think you see with, with Grealish, you know, we were saying last week, like when the structure of the team is like Rodri Stones, Gundogan, let's say Bernardo on the right wing, Grealish on the left wing, you can put Foden and Alvarez in the middle there because that structure of the team is very solid and stable yeah. and they can do their thing, which is obviously the same as you do with De Bruyne and Haaland. But when those guys, you know, Alvarez, Foden, Doku, they have to be the structure of the team, then you get slightly different performances and you know, all, all the stuff we've been talking about all season. But the thing is as well, when you take out Haaland and, and De Bruyne and Gundogan, a lot of goals... Like Grealish then 
needs to do more, which isn't really his game. You know, Guardiola's always said we didn't sign him for the incredible amount of goals and assists because he's never really scored loads of goals at Villa. You know, he'd, he'd be a different type of player, a kind of player that more people would enjoy watching in terms of dribbles and freedom of spirit or whatever. But he's never scored loads of goals and that's fine. Like I say, when he's making that structure very stable and you've got others to do that, he's perfect in that. But again, when everything kind of shifts slightly and you'd need, okay, I actually need somebody to score goals here, which I think is why Doku's been so important. You need something, some somebody to make something happen. Like That's where you see a, a, a bit more of a, a problem for Grealish in that sense because he can perfectly slide into that team like it was last season but this season it's like see a bit more but then again you've just got a question of form and like for understandable reasons obviously with the the burglary like he was he was shocking yesterday wasn't he like again if I if, if even I said the first half was dull yesterday then how bad do you think like most people thought it was and if even I thought Grealish was shocking yesterday then how bad do you think most people thought Grealish was but I, I genuinely thought he was limping like when, when Bob when was coming off, on, because he was yeah. only like eight minutes into the second half, wasn't it? I genuinely thought he was limping. And he he, he looked he certainly looked laboured. But then, yeah, Guardiola said afterwards that it wasn't an injury. He just needed you know, to increase the tempo, but basically, you know, just bring on somebody who's not having a shocker. Because there weren't many good things that he did. And like he gave the ball away a hell of a lot. And just, you know, when it was such a compact game, you, you needed to be intricate. You needed to look after the ball, but a lot of Sheffield United's moments of danger, most of them, the actual dangerous moments seem to come from Kovacic because he was doing the same thing, but in the middle, he probably lost it three or four times. Grealish probably lost it slightly higher up the pitch, so it didn't lead to danger so much, but it must have been five or six times more. Um, and yeah, he was poor, but again, you kind of, you've got the context of the burglary there. I know people will be listening to this who don't particularly think he's very good and they'll say he's not been playing that well all season. And yeah, he hasn't. He's been up and down for form, but... I certainly don't expect the kind of thing we saw yesterday to carry on. Um, but yeah, there is obviously a bit more of a demand for for action, you know, for something to happen um, because it is a slightly different team at the minute and different things are needed. But also then, you you know, it, where is that balance? Because you do need him for the control. So if you go to Doku to make something happen, but Alvarez and Foden are there in midfield as well and Stones isn't there and obviously Gundogan's gone then it's like, well, where is the balance coming from? And that, it's just been, it's been like that all season. They've, yeah. they've very, very rarely, if ever, had that right, perfect blend of, okay, this is exactly what we need today. Coming up after a short ad break, there'll be more analysis of City's win over Sheffield United. We'll hear from Pep Guardiola and we'll talk about City cutting out the errors. See you shortly. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 
Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Let's do the thing where we hear from uh, Guardiola's first answer at the press conference because he uh, summed up the game. So uh, this is what he made of the performance against Sheffield United. The first half was a little bit flat. Everything was flat. And we lift the second half, especially with Oscar, when help us to increase our rhythm and movements to my line and because he's really good to the, in the space, he's really good in small spaces like Phil, like Bernardo, like Rico. Because the teams like today Sheffield decide to play, like Crystal Palace, they have two options to attack them, put the ball in the side and cross us. But Erling is not there and Gundo is not there anymore. So we don't have a specialist for that and we are good attacking the pockets and pockets we have a lot and Phil, Enrico in the second half, Bernardo, even Jack. We attack there and we make a, a good game. You mentioned Oscar Bob there. Um, the Grealish substitution, was that... Had he taken a knock? Was it tactical? What was the reason for him? I decided I need a different speed and, 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 and I know it had not been easy. It was incredible effort for Jack. The last two days have been really, really tough. His perform, his performance in, in Goodison Park was maybe was the best team, best player on the pitch. And the impact was really tough and has not been easy for him. And and after that, I, I thought, I, I was doubting a lot if I start with Oscar from the beginning. Uh, not in the position Jack, in another position, but after what we saw in the first half and the second, I said, OK, Oscar, because he's good in I said, he's an incredible good runner, he's a good finishing, sense of goal, assist, and in smaller spaces, really good too. And, and so aggressive without the ball. He regained two or three balls, so and he helped us. And and after the two zero, they didn't press, so we decided to passes passes to to avoid what happened against Crystal Palace and the other games. So that was Guardiola after the game. I want to bring this in from uh, Jack on the emails, who says uh, interesting comments from Pep after the game, in particular regarding changing Grealish for a change in speed. He obviously felt against Palace there was a drop in intensity and tempo. I think it was similar when we went two one up against Everton. I was there, and a lot around me felt similar, but it may have looked different on the TV. I think the individual mistakes come in part when the intensity levels drop and they get caught out as the opponent steps up. I think that the understanding of control and risk aversion also needs to be caveated by the fact that there is a risk in not taking the game away from opponents and being overly cautious. Pep obviously understands this and wants the correct decisions made, including when the correct decision may be the less safe pass forward. Um, we will hear a bit more from Jack on the email a bit later on because uh, he basically he basically wrote the show for us today. <laughs> so uh, we'll come back to him a bit later on. But some interesting thoughts there. Well, I think we have we definitely did acknowledge it in the in the Crystal Palace like, kind of watchback. Um, you know, sometimes the you know obviously the the best option is to to go forward and attack. But that's kind of why I was saying earlier on that the Sheffield United game was basically the same as the Palace one, if not worse. But when they went two 0 up, so obviously now I'm I'm kind of looking out for these pressure points. I'm keeping notes on what Akanji's doing because everyone's going to say he was shit. I'm keeping notes on what Guardiola's doing because everyone's going to say he was shit. I'm I'm looking out when they go two 0 up to see if they keep attacking, and they did, and. 
having watched the, the Palace game back at the time, I thought it was the same. There was the same intention to attack was there, but the moves would break down because just little flicks or Palace being better to defend in those small spaces than Sheffield United were. Um, so I think the intention was still there against Everton. I mean, yeah, again, we, we, have, we have talked about that. It wasn't it wasn't as good. And it, with that, I can, you know, I think we framed it or I framed it, and maybe it is this. Maybe it's um, maybe it's City taking their foot off the gas or both. But there is just that inevitable momentum shift in football. I think, like not just as the team who were trying to score the goal got their got their goal or goals and gone ahead, but the other team like, okay, we need to change something now. And so Everton obviously started doing a bit more. But that yeah, do, that could be feel- a mixture of both. Do you feel that's more prevalent this season, or is it is, looking back on previous seasons? Is it that City controlled that better, or did it just happen and yeah, City yeah. didn't get? I think it's inevitable. And then after a couple of minutes, you just you know you know. Well, again, if we, if just if we're going by Guardiola's version of it, he said the other day we're not mature enough to to know how to handle those situations. Basically, yeah. so again, I think that's when the game is going that way, like it was against Everton. It's. It is just like okay, put your, put your foot on the ball and and, passes, and, passes, and ride passes, out those difficult yeah. moments. But again, but again, yeah, when he said about passes, passes, passes at the end to avoid what happened against Crystal Palace, I mean, I'd love to know specifically what he meant about that because, and unless he just purely meant just to avoid what happened against Palace in that like one or two critical moments, yeah, because like we say, there wasn't anything else. In there, and you know, if anything, people would have said there was too much. You know, that's that's what Jack's saying. That there's too much of that, too many passes, and and not a willingness to go forward and try and kill the game and finish it off. But what I what I will say is, I don't think they lack that against Palace or um or, or Sheffield United. They did keep attacking. It, yeah, and it kind they of just, they just didn't get there. It kind of opens up, again, what uh, Roy Hodgson said after the game and what uh, Chris Wilder said after Saturday in that um, that thing of opponents just making sure they hang on in there because if you get to 80 yeah. minutes and it is 2-0, you, you have a chance to break away and if you get one, then you, you know how the... It's it's like, it's not the dominoes will fall, but it's it's like the foundations of the House of Cards have been kind of shook a little bit and oh, it well, needs... That, I mean, oh, yeah. Talking about momentum of football matches, that's, that's it, isn't it? You know, if you, if you were to get one back, then all of a sudden... There, you know, there's uncertainty in the stadium and all that kind of thing, which again is what happened against Palace last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly, you know, I, I get the point. We, I think we have talked about that. You know, that it's it isn't just being safe and passing it around and keeping the ball. It is, you know, you have got to take those opportunities when they come. But my suggestion is they have been doing that. Um, I'd need to see more of the Everton. I need to see the Everton game again to 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 work out exactly what the issues were but what the thing is what I had what the feeling I did have about the Everton game and I've mentioned it after after the game was there was a lot of opportunities when the game was stretched out to counter-attack and City were doing that and I was like well the, the trade-off you get there is if you don't score then it does become end-to-end but they were definitely were the right situations to try to counter-attack and I think they were doing that you know they weren't just passing it around for the sake of it I thought they did need more passing it around although then you've got the other balance of when they strung those 50 passes together, but didn't really get anywhere. And Edison ended up, you know, just tried to switch it to Walker and went out of play. But then you think, that's probably what you need. You know, we were just talking about 
having the maturity to to solve those situations. Or, you know, if Everton have been getting back in the game for, let's say, two minutes, or let's say it's longer than you need and it's five minutes, but then you can put a move like that together. That was the one that City put on their Instagram, where they were passing it around inside their own box and they managed to get out and Grealish could have got the foul up on the left wing, but they carried on, blah, blah, blah. I think that, as a period of play, that is the kind of thing you need to go, right, okay, we're in control of this game. Don't forget that. And then after that, once you've established yourself in the game again, you can start to play through the lines and attack. And again, I was looking out for it. They they did that. There was one against Sheffield United probably five minutes after the second goal. And I thought it was Alvarez who had a shot from outside the box or Foden. And it was saved low down to the keeper's right and it went out for a corner. And I was like, that's, that's exactly... Because I was looking out for it. I was like, if this is what they did against Sheffield United, then somebody's going to play a ball in between the lines to one of the central playmakers. And then they'll... They'll either take a touch or, you know, they were flicking it against Palace and it and it came unstuck. But then, obviously, yesterday the route was more getting to Foden who'd move to the left, pass it out towards Guardiol or Bob, and then they'd come back inside that way. And that was more or less what they did. And I was like, I, I do think this is very similar. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to know exactly what Guardiola meant by passes to avoid what happened against Crystal Palace. Also because there was, was it about 75 minutes or something like that? Um, Sheffield United had an attack and they ended up you know it, it didn't get cleared and they were in the box on like their left hand side inside and it was weighing up a shot and you just think fuck surely not yeah like sh- this would be mental if this happened again and it didn't get blocked and it came across and there was a shot from the middle and I think Guardiol blocked it quite well I seem to remember and okay, bringing it out. It and that yeah. was it yeah but it but was yeah. like oh, not surely not again yeah, um, I did so think again, it, like you, you, you can't, you can't, and like Palace only had two of those situations anyway. Really, there's, there's only so much it can actually be done. Um, and you know, I'm sure. Well, I do know that Guardiola was was pretty happy with how they managed the game overall, but it was just the moments. And in the embargoed section, I asked him about um, Foden, and he mentioned that you know that his last minute kind of brain farts. But obviously, I can't discuss those yet because because of embargoes. Yeah, um, it was notable. I thought uh, against Sheffield United, and again, uh, uh, this this comes caveated with the knowledge that Sheffield United are bottom and they're struggling a little bit and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there was no moment in the game where somebody just made a massive error that that led to a goal. Do you know? And it sounds like a really daft thing to say, but it's it's kind of like they've needed a performance where that happened. Yeah, exactly. Like it does feel like baby steps, doesn't it? I mean, the one in the first half where. Akanji made the block. I think the shot may have been going wide, but Akanji made the block after they attacked. They switched it to the to the right, to their right. Um, got down the line, crossed it. In terms of mistakes, again, it was one of those where it was like, "Where is Guardiola for that?" Like, what's like, how's how's that happened? How's he got there? There was, I mean, there um, was potential for a couple of those moments where um, I think Ake left it for Guardiola and he wasn't there. Um, and it went out for throwing. Yeah, that was a that was just a pass, wasn't it? it was that yeah. Kanji playing the pass as well? It wasn't a great pass either. Um, but look, I mean, that is proper nitpicking. The defense were good. Like Kanji was really good. Ake was really good. You know, his recovery pace and 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 getting back to to deny those breakaways. It's like Walker esque. And remember last season, everyone was like, "Oh, when Carl Walker goes, who's going to do that?" For a start, now everyone wants Carl Walker to go immediately. But I, I tell, I tell the you, the other what. answer is well, Ake can when Ake was on the cover a couple of times because uh, he was running down towards my corner you could see like he was a he was at absolute top speed there was um there was a couple of moments where he just got there 
Um, but you could see the effort that was going in to like he, he physically could not have given any more to get any faster yeah, in that yeah, in that yeah. foot race. Yeah, he does have that kind of running technique, doesn't he? Like Laporte, when Laporte got going, he was he yeah. was all arms and legs, like proper motoring. Um, but got, yeah, again, Guardiola was good, and like obviously the way he was set up yesterday, like Grealish was tucked in on the left, and Bob was as well, and it was very compact, and it left Guardiola in a lot of space on the wing, and we've seen that a lot recently, and. We haven't really seen why in terms of, well, this guy's getting the ball a lot, but nothing's really coming from it. But I do feel like eventually he's going to be a really good outlet to have there because you can't leave a man out there and, and mark him. It's a bit like Cancelo when he was operating in those areas really deep. It's like, well, who's, who's picking him up really? And at least if somebody's picking him up, then they're going to have a problem elsewhere. And that was the beauty of Cancelo coming up the pitch, particularly through the middle. I do feel like Guardiola's going to have, I wouldn't say the same impact because Cancelo was unbelievable when he was at the top of his game, wasn't he? But if you get Guardiola out there and spaces open up, I do feel like he can find those switches, uh, not the switches of play, sorry, the through balls. Um, I was thinking because when there's switches of play to him, his first touch is fantastic. It's like, a, obviously, Mahrez is like the next level good. But like Grealish and him, they control the ball perfectly first time. Um, Sterling never quite had that. I don't think Doku quite has it. He's not bad, but he doesn't quite have it. But Guardiola can just bring it down and play, and that's. I think that is going to be valuable. I think that will, we will see the value in that at some point. I'll take the point we haven't really seen that so far. Um, but again, you know, yesterday it wasn't like there was an awful lot to pick out. There weren't a lot of runners. There weren't through balls to, to play. You know, everyone was kind of playing in those pockets. They weren't stretching it with, with runs in behind. But yeah, I thought he had a, a good game. But there was that one where, it's got ballooned over his head, and it was like, shouldn't he be your man, mate? But. Well, there was the one where he just he just squared it inside to one of the Sheffield United players as well. Yes, I mean, I I, I kind of I, I suppose I do get no, I don't get the criticism. I get that you know there have been times in games or in some games when he hasn't played well, but you know the the extent is like why we signed this lad. I, I'll never get that because he's obviously going to be quality. Hmm. Um, let's hear a bit more from Jack as well because he says when you requested opinions on what subs could be made against Wolves I think he means Palace here but he, he's written Wolves um, I mentioned Nunes but not for control but instead to add yeah. intensity and a willing people did mention forward. people did mention control but yeah there were there were mentions of Nunes yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Jack carries on uh, I think Today, the addition of Bob was perfect for this and that pass into Foden showed his quality. He's a very exciting player who seems to fit the system better than Palmer, regardless of talent level, etc. Um, and obviously, Guardiola gave Bob a massive shout-out in that answer and like he talked about weighing up whether he should have played him from the start, but then he brought him in to lift the rhythm and, and the movements yes. to the byline. Um, it was... It was a, a big show of trust to bring him on at 1-0, um, but also the fact that he's, he's, he was considering starting him, I think that's quite an interesting little um, little kind of tidbit in there. It is. Um, I suppose the fact that he did come on so soon in the second half is a show of trust, and I, I guess it shows that Guardiola was thinking two things. Firstly is that Grealish was having a shocker, and secondly... He was like, well, I was thinking about bringing this guy on this morning, and I need to make a change. So the trust is there. On Let's you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the thing is, the, the Palmer thing is interesting. I mean, stylistically, I think I I think I get it. Um, I mean, the thing is with Palmer, he's, he's kind of languid, isn't he? But um, and it, it looks like a style of, it doesn't really fit. And, you know, he was always trying to, I don't know about style, but I, I always had the feeling with Palmer that whenever he was playing, he was always trying to show to the max what he could do. And he'd maybe do more than he should have. 
not trying to take people on, put the ball in the top corner, that kind of thing. And to be fair, sometimes he did put the ball in the top corner. And I'm not I'm not just talking bad about him because he's gone, because obviously he's, he's great at Chelsea, and I'm sure most people listening to this will be thinking, oh, I should have kept him, should have given him chances, etc., etc. And we'll get to that. But with Bob, he just feels like he comes in and he, and he does what he needs to do. He's not trying to do anything extra. And he, he does plug in and, and fit the system in, in that sense. I think they would both fit the system in terms of the style of player they are. But I, I know there's a point in there as well, just about Bob is a bit more, I don't know. Rounded? Pockety. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if it's rounded because I think Palmer is a better player. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the, so the, the point about them both, and it's a point I made because we've got to do these articles that get published on the final whistle now, is... People talk about Al Palmer and he should have got this, we should have had that, should have stayed. Obviously, for a start, he wanted to go, so that was it. Done. He just wanted, really wanted to go, so he couldn't stay. And then they go, well, why did he really want to go? Because he wasn't getting minutes. But I mean, again, we've talked about this. Like, Riyad Mahrez wasn't even getting in the team on the right wing. So, Palmer's not going to get in, is he? Like, it was so... And City didn't have the injuries last season. City didn't really have that many injuries, certainly not like now. They just definitely didn't. So it was Bernardo and and Mares trying to get a place on the right and then think, oh, well, Palmer's playing centrally now. All right. Well, was he going to come in instead of De Bruyne or Gundogan? Like Foden couldn't even get in. So here's your pecking order. And it's like, if you were to say purely with hindsight, oh, well, you should have just put Palmer above Foden or Palmer above Mares. All right, great. But in what world is it actually going to happen? Like, yeah, yeah. there's just a, there's just, there's just, there is a deserved hierarchy of quality and experience. And trust as well. And because, yeah, well, I suppose that comes with the quality and the experience. Yeah, yeah. And also, to be fair, like Palmer behind the scenes, he wasn't training particularly well. So there was that as well. Um, but yeah, just in in what world would you would you shake would you shake that up? Because it wouldn't have been on merit to start him. But the thing is, what you've got with Oscar Bob now is: do you see him having a massive role in the second half of the season? Not really. But he does have injuries now. Now look, Grealish isn't injured. It turns out. So it's not like there's definitely going to be a spot going on the left. Um, Doku should be back soon enough, but Doku is out. Grealish hasn't played well, and also they are playing Huddersfield in the FA Cup. So if Guardiola was thinking about starting him anyway, and then he came on and he did well, and there's a bit of an injury crisis, and there's Huddersfield, you would definitely like to see Bob starting next week because maybe if there's, I don't know, because I think it's difficult to look back now. But going by the same logic that I was just going by there of like there's been a, a deserved hierarchy of who plays. When it comes to changing the team around and playing players to in cup competitions, you still need to keep like Mahrez fresh, Foden fresh. Mm. And so Palmer's still not really going to be getting the opportunities. And again, don't forget he wasn't training great either. But with Bob, if you're thinking how's this year going to look compared to last year? Is he going to break through or are West Ham going to sign him for 25 million in the summer? Like it's, It is going to be these games in the FA Cup where it's like, okay, you, you go and do that and see what you can do. Because as we know, normally once you get beyond like the fourth round of the FA Cup, not just like the young kids, but you know, in the, in the past couple of years, new signings coming in like Ake, those those opportunities to play aren't really going to be there. So Bob is kind of, he's knocking on the door now and there's definitely an opportunity next weekend. 
and like hopefully he takes it for him but also like for the squad's sake that's it for the free version of let me talk there is more for members though head over to lmtpod.com if you want to sign up for longer ad-free episodes uh for members sam in this edition what is there there's absolutely loads somehow. We just kept talking. Um, Oscar Bob, as you'd, as you'd imagine. Foden, as you'd imagine. But there was a Carl Walker thing when he got subbed, which is weird and interesting. And we talk about f- types of signing for the future, so Musiala and that kind of thing. But then we go into Echeverry, the Argentinian lad that City are signing. And I've had a fair amount of time watching him and I've drawn some conclusions to that. That's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer and they're out earlier. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email, it's hello at lmtpod.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, so just search for lmtpod on there. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 